Well, good morning, church. It's great to be back with you again. Last time I was here, got to spend some time on the beach. Uh, I got to spend some time just enjoying God's beautiful creation here on the Sunshine Coast. And as I mentioned before, it's always a blessing to be up here uh, in this glorious country, but also uh, with you. Uh, Thank you again for allowing me back into your homes today. Greetings from my family to yours as well. I feel like over the last little bit, you've gotten to know us a little bit better. Uh, Rianne and I have had the joy of sharing with you a few times now, and we are continually blessed by the response and the encouragement and just the welcomeness that comes from here at Crossroads. So thank you so much. Last time I was here, we were in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35, and we were talking through what does it mean to be fearless in the midst of overwhelming circumstances? And we'll look back at that verse, and we remember we say, God was saying through the mouth of Isaiah, say to those with anxious and panic-stricken hearts, be strong, fear not. Indeed, your God will come with vengeance for the ungodly, The retribution of God will come, but he will save you. And we remember what was happening during that time. A brief recap here. Israel and Judah are divided. The kingdoms are separate. Um, They've fallen away from the Lord uh, in their actions and in honoring the covenant that they've made with him. Now, Judah is the stronger of the nations in terms of looking towards God in the midst of their circumstances. And with the nations rising up around them with war constantly happening, Hezekiah, the king of Judah, humbles himself before the Lord and prays. Now, Assyria was pressing down and had already moved into Israel and taken captives and had elicited attacks from them. But through Hezekiah's humbleness of heart, through his turning to God in the midst of things, the Assyrians were actually defeated. God came through and stood alongside the nation of Judah in that time, and they were delivered from the potentials of being in captivity or worse. So we want to rejoice. We want to stop there and celebrate that God is for us all the time and in him, nothing bad can happen. Correct? Well, unfortunately, while God is always true and faithful, Hezekiah, much like us, was not. Now, just after being delivered from the Assyrians, Uh, Hezekiah decides he is going to start making truces with neighboring nations. And he sees this rising empire of Babylon coming up and Babylon being wise comes alongside Isaiah or Hezekiah and sends an envoy and Hezekiah humbled and honored to be considered throws open the doors and shows Babylon everything that the Lord has blessed them with. He shows them the treasury, he shows them the lands, he shows them everything. And it's in this moment that he wants to start a truce with Babylon. How quickly has he forgotten what the Lord has just done, not through men, but through the Lord's might and promise and goodness, But Hezekiah still, he decides he's going to strike up this partnership. And it's here where we enter in. 
Isaiah has now got a word of rebuke for Hezekiah. And he says, what have you done? You've doomed the nation for the time. And we see that Hezekiah or Isaiah's prophecy actually does come true. Hundred years later, Babylon would come in with the knowledge that they had from when Hezekiah was king. And they come in and they take all of Israel, both Israel and Judah, into captivity. They pillage Jerusalem and they burn it down. And we pause for a moment and say, but Lord, you just, you just defeated the Assyrians. Why would you allow the Babylonians to do such a thing? And it's hard for us to start to wrap our minds around. But what we want to do is we want to pick up the story. We want to pick up where Isaiah is breeding, reading us into, prophesying into uh, with what the Lord has done. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40 and then further into 43. So Isaiah 40, scholars believe that it's just into captivity that Isaiah is prophesying into. And we see this remarkable turn from a God who is speaking to his nation and saying, trust me and condemn me, or don't be condemned in my presence, to this God that is now coming alongside them and nurturing and reminding who he is. One commentator says in the midst of this time period that it's Israel's spiritual failure that has led into the nation's captivity. And I know that it's so easy for us to look back in hindsight and say, what, how do you fail whenever God's done such a mighty work in your presence? But there's something in this for us. Like I said, God is now speaking to his nation and reminding them who he is. Their spiritual failures led them into this point of captivity. But God starts in chapter 40 by reminding his people who he is. He says in Isaiah 40 verse 28, he says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become tired, does not grow weary. There is no searching his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might, he increases his power. We want to pause there because I think after the last time we were looking at things, it's really easy for us to look and say, with God, all things are possible all the time. And for us to expect those things. But I think what God wants to remind us is, yes, with God, all things are possible. But like I said at the end of last sermon, it's not always deliverance from those things. It's the fact that we can trust our Lord, that he will journey with us in our, un- our unfortunate circumstances, our hardships. Israel and Judah have endured such great hardship. Not only have they lost the promised land now, they've been at war and they lost. Now they're forced into migration. They're forced into captivity. There's death. There's things like rape along the way. And there's this 
unimaginable suffering that this nation is facing. And yet God is continuing to remind his nation who he is, his people, what he has in store for them. We talked about God being present with us in all circumstances. And while that's comforting for us to know and important for us to know, it's important to check our perceptions of what does that mean and who is our God in the midst of these circumstances. Who is your God to you, church? What is the Lord to you? Some of us have this picture of God as our corner coach and it's a boxing match and we're in our ring and we're squaring up and bell rings and we go back to our corner and God rubs our shoulders, puts some ice on our head, stitches us up and encourages us. But it's up to us to get back in the ring and box it out some more and take a few more blows and then go back to our corner And some of us have this picture of our God that's sitting there as the encouragement that's got our backs and we know it, but he's also there ready to throw in the towel. Maybe he's ready to forget us in the midst of that. Others of us have this idea of God as our knight in shining armor. This God that is ready at any moment to dust off his sword and come to fight for you as his child He is ready to strike down anyone or anything in our way. I know for me personally, that was my perception of who God was for a number of years. I had the joy and the privilege of journeying alongside uh, some of our IWs uh, in North Africa. Uh, And I spent a year and a half there. And it was during that time that a lot of my spiritual development and maturity Uh, began, I should say. There was some beautiful things and some amazing things happening within the church there. But where we were was such a spiritually oppressive thing. And we saw constantly uh, the fight against God's kingdom versus the kingdom of darkness and in real tangible ways. And while there was the call to prayer five times a day, while these things were happening, you could just feel, I could just feel this grating that was happening deep within inside me. And at that time, I had this perception that, okay, all I need to do is step forward, call on my God, my knight in shining armor, and he's going to come forward and he's going to just cut these chains off and we're going to be good to go. And I prayed that prayer and... The circumstance didn't change. The culture that I was in didn't change. The people that I was wrestling with, they didn't change. But my heart began to change. But this idea that these obstacles that were coming in front of me were just going to be moved or struck down or that God was going to do some great and mighty profound (laughs) in someone's mind tragedy for my sake was, was challenged. And I found myself just having to push deeper into understanding who my God is. Now, hands down, our Lord, our savior is by far the best warrior 
that we have. His word, his, his script is indeed the word of life and a true sword. And there is no fight that is unwinnable with our Lord. But that is such a minimal perspective of who God is in all circumstances. We need to look at his word, his truth in the grand narrative. We need to stop and pause and look at the context, the overall narrative of who God is. We need to park for a moment this understanding that there is nothing too big for God and therefore there is nothing too big for me. I think until we face challenges in our life, until we face the death of a loved one, until we face the loss of a job, it's very easy for us to say there, there's no challenge for me because I'm one with God and, and God is bigger than all circumstances. If we limit God to our corner coach or our knight in shining armor, we limit our view of the, to the immediate. We look at what is immediately in front of us as the, the destination. And that's the danger. Because if we don't win, if that obstacle doesn't fall, what does that mean for us? Does that mean we didn't have enough faith? Does that mean that our God isn't big enough? Does it make us start to question these things? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. But we need to have this idea and this real understanding of who our God is. We want to go back to Isaiah as God's reminding his people. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now that's a pretty amazing description of the bigness of our God. He transcends time. He's everlasting. And he is so intimately involved that he has created the heavens and the earth from sea to sea, from east to west, he's created it all. So we start to understand the bigness of our God. And then we move ahead to Isaiah 30 or 43, sorry. And this is our passage for today. We want to look at verses first and foremost, verses one to two, where God is speaking again through Isaiah. He says, but now this is what the Lord, your creator says, O Jacob. And he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you from captivity. And I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. The God who created the heavens and the earth, our everlasting God is once again, entering into our circumstances with us. God is very much with Israel in this time of captivity. He is very much calling the hearts of his people back to him. And he's saying, I see you. 
I know where you are and I'm coming to redeem you. Why? Why is he doing this? Why does he want to stoop into the circumstance? Isaiah 43 verse four, because you are precious in my sight. You were honored and I love you. You were honored and I love you. The Lord of the heavens and the earth, our creator in the midst of all of our circumstances is standing and saying, I love you. You are precious in my sight. This is a personal and an intimate message from our God. The one who formed us, who knows us. He's speaking to a nation, but as much as he's speaking to a nation, he's speaking to the hearts of the people. This isn't just a crossroads. I love you. This is a Joel. I love you. This is a Danielle. I love you. This is whoever your name might be. I love you. And I see you. And I've formed you and I've not forgotten you. He doesn't minimize the trials that you're going through. He doesn't say, forget about that. Just focus on me. He says very clearly in verse two, when you pass through the waters, there's that trial coming. When you pass through the waters, I am with you. When you go through the flame, I am with you. You will go through. These aren't your destination. The circumstances that are right in front of you right now that seem overwhelming. These things that cause us to pause in fear. These nations that are rising are not the destination. We want to fast forward for a moment to the words of Jesus himself. If we go to John 16 verse 23. We know this verse probably quite well if you've been in the church for a while. And it's Jesus talking to his disciples and he's warning them about what's to come. He's talking about the hardships they're about to face. And in John 16 verse 23, he says to them, I assure you most solemnly, if you ask for anything in the name of my father, I will give it to you. Jesus is talking about a depth of ask in this. He is saying to his people too, that when they ask for courage, he will give it to them. He is reminding his people that he is going and he won't be with them in person in a tangible way, but he's not leaving them. He goes further to tell his disciples, I have told you these things so that you may have perfect peace because in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have distress. You will have suffering, but, and there's that, but, and we used that, but a couple of times in Isaiah before here it is. Be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, 
Some translations will even say, be filled with joy because I have overcome the world. There it is. That these circumstances are not our destination. Where we are right now is not where we're parking. This is not eternity. And while it seems insurmountable at the moment, our destination is something greater. And our Lord Jesus is bringing us through. But it's our choice to believe in these moments. He is willing to lead us. But it's our choice to follow. There's this beautiful song right now that came out coincidentally right at the beginning of this pandemic. Um, And it's by a worship band that I love called Ren Collective. And the song's called Choose to Worship. And for me, uh, as we entered into this season, there was a lot of people that were full of fear around me. And I I found myself not fearful. Um, I found myself okay in the midst of it. But as you know, a little of our story, we're heading overseas. And as we got closer to that destination, um, we got parked because the world's closed its borders right now. And there's a global pandemic. And while I wasn't fearful... I was frustrated. And this song was one that God brought to my heart and brought to my mind. And it's one that I've played many times. And it's one that I think has served the church well for this season because it's called choose to worship. And there's lines in there that say, though there's pain in the offering, though I have doubts, I will still praise you in the fire, in the storm and through the flood. It's borrowing imagery from Isaiah here. Through the fire, through the storm, through the flood. Because I know you are with me. The bridge says, when the enemy says I'm done, when the enemy says I'm done, I'll choose to worship. I'll lift my praises. These circumstances that you find yourself in, these moments of fear, these insurmountable things. This is where the enemy is going to say, you're done. You're done. And there's nothing to get you past this. Or he's going to say, this is the destination and you've arrived. But our God is reminding us through Isaiah, through Jesus himself, his words that he has not forgotten us and that this is not the destination that we've arrived at but it's our choice. Paul, the apostle goes ahead and reminds us in second Corinthians 12, 19, that he's been suffering. He's struggling. He's seen a lot and the journey has been long, but God is talking to him and he chooses to use those words to encourage the church. He says, My grace is sufficient for you. The Lord's grace is sufficient for you. And he's saying, my power, the Lord's power is made perfect in your weakness. When you feel like you're down on your knees, when you feel like those moments are too big, that is where God shines. Those are those moments where you can get up and look up and say, Lord, I need you. Church, if you haven't met 
this God who loves you and cares for you, who intimately formed you, who is inviting you to journey with him in the midst of these moments. I'd ask that after the sermon that you hit that prayer button and talk with someone, start asking questions, start diving into this beautiful book, this living word that proclaims the love that God has for you. There's lots of people within this church. This is a prayerful church and I love it that are willing to journey with you. Take them up on that. If you find yourself and you've been walking with the Lord for a number of years and you just find yourself in this place of just need a reminder. He's called us church to be the church to encourage one another. I spoke last time about using our testimonies to share, to encourage one another. Do it and use it well, church. Lift each other up. Point to Jesus in the midst of your circumstances. Let me pray for you. Father God, we just thank you that your word is living, that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as are you, Lord. And we thank you that you have encouraged your children from ages ago to now, Lord. And we thank you that you remain the same yesterday and today forever, Lord. And your promises are new every day. And Lord, we are just so grateful that you're willing to come to our level. Jesus, we're grateful that you gave your life. We're grateful that you faced the insurmountable obstacle that was the cross and made it surmountable. And that is through your life, death, and resurrection that we have oneness and relationship with the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to be with us and encourage us along the journey. Continue to refine our hearts so that we would be less fearful. Continue to encourage us and call us to courage. Continue to help us to be the church to one another, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Church, we're going to enter into a time of ministry. Again, if you need prayer right now, please click on that button. It's time also that it's time for giving. Uh, Thank you for being a giving and gracious church. Uh, There's prompts on the screen here that'll show you how to do that. Blessings on you as you continue to remember this week that our God is with us and for us.